This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. How we doing, Trev? Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated enterprise show. I'm your host, Floyd Dorsey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jeffrey Harlan, a.k.a. Mr. Ataz. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? I am doing great. Uh, I have been um, modifying the Atavacron, letting me look into alternate realities and uh, view all kinds of what-ifs. Well, I know I'm not, I'm not supposed to peek at that kind of stuff, because we, we might mess up our little timeline that we've got going here, if, if we care about that kind of stuff. You know, but also returning with Jeff and I here in the command center today, we have the host of Continuing Mission. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Dennis Costello. Welcome back, Dennis. Thanks, guys. I really love to be here on Warp 5. Thank you very much for inviting me in. Yeah, no problem. So basically what we've got going on with this show is Dennis gave us a great show idea. And we're going to venture down the less traveled path here. We're going to actually conduct another writer's room style episode of Warp 5, similar to the Doctor Who Enterprise Season 5 crossover that we discussed on Warp 588. So that was the first time that we ever tried to actually create an episode on Warp 5. So what we've got going here is Dennis actually has a pitch for an alternate ending for Season 4 and the continuing arc that could have began Season 5. So I can just picture this. We're sitting in a conference room at CBS, Paramount, UPN. I guess it would be UPN. And we've got the producers, the show producers already have this idea that they have lined out for these are the voyages. This is what they want to do. This is their baby. This is what they want to do. And here comes Dennis sitting across the table and says, actually, I've got a better idea. Is that how you see it, Dennis? Sure. Yeah, that could be a good <laughs> uh, a pitch meeting. Yeah, why not? Right. So, yes, boomers. We are talking about replacing these are the voyages. And I'm sure there's a lot of you that that's just going to break your heart. You know, this is, it's going to be just <laughs> something that you're just, you're probably just, wow, I can't believe you're doing this to these are the voyages. Well, it'll still be there. This is just our pitch. You know, we're, this is just what we else we could have had. This is some alternate thing that we've got going on. So remember, this isn't warp five canon. It's just a show pitch that could have been considered had we been cleared for season five of the series. It's like millions of voices cried out and 
imitated data at the end of generations. Right, exactly. Yes. And then for those of you that are like, yes, we're getting rid of the, these are the voyages. Well, here we go. We've got something for you here. So also, I mean, if you've got an idea and you've had an idea probably sitting here for a long time, ever since you saw these are the voyages, if you've ever had an idea or have one to replace it, what idea would you have liked to have seen? Or what would you have liked to have seen carried over to season five? So please let us know about that in the show notes for the show uh, on Facebook and in the Babel conference. That would be great to see actually what everyone's ideas are. And the idea actually could be for a later show being to read other listeners ideas for their pitches for ending season four and maybe what they have for going for season five. I think that would be a really cool thing. So getting this started, we're replacing, these are the voyages, Dennis. So what is your idea? What would, how would you like to see these are the voyages replaced here? What, what's your pitch? Okay. Well, let me first say that the idea that I come with, I come at this with is an idea to really grab the viewer and propel them into season five something where they can't wait to see what happens next. They can't wait for season five to, uh, to come about for that next season. So my vision is to turn these are the voyages, instead of going with what they did, go with a two-parter episode. Now, Star Trek has had some fantastic two-parter episodes, right? There's the Menagerie. There's uh, the great and famous two-parter episodes from The Next Generation, Best of Both Worlds. And so I'm hoping that this kind of falls into that tradition. And so without further ado, let me launch into the pitch. Okay, so sit back and imagine that you're watching this on your screen. We begin with Archer, Paul, and Trip. They're wearing their formal dress uniforms. They're at some kind of a banquet or some kind of a to-do because they have made first contact with a new warp-capable species. It's the first time they're meeting this species, and perhaps it's Beta Z, or maybe it's the Cations, or any of those great races that we know are going to become part of the Federation, but we haven't seen yet in Enterprise. So they're very... Hopeful. It's a lot. It's a meeting with a lot of promise because it seems like this could be good allies and good friends for Earth. So they're at this banquet. They're making nice and, you know, with the diplomatic speak and all that. When a local police official comes forward and he breaks into the conversation Are you Jonathan Archer, captain of the Earth vessel Enterprise? And Archer, of course, says, Well, yes, I am. And then Two more uh, police officers step forward. He says, Jonathan Archer, I place you under arrest on the charge of piracy. And so that's the hook that leads us into the main titles. And from there, we're off and running. So, Dennis, I'm seeing the dress uniforms here. So for some reason, I'm seeing uh, Trip. His The collar's a little too tight. You know, maybe I'm seeing like a maybe exactly. a callback from McCoy, right? He's got his finger in his collar. He's pulling it a little bit. He's not he doesn't really like how the uniforms are wearing. And I so, just have trouble seeing Trip in a necktie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we're talking about the 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 dress uniforms for that time period could be more like Admiral Forrest, you know, with the tie. So, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, I see I see Trip tugging at it a little bit there. And wow. So Archer gets fronted out in front of this banquet that he thinks it's going to be like a diplomatic uh, handshaking kind of thing. And he gets 
basically arrested. Wow, that's that's yes. something. The way I see it is uh, it's a surprise even to some of the uh, – let's just for the sake of calling it something, we'll just say that he's on Beta Z. His first contact with Beta Z, right? We have to call him something. Well, let's call him that for now. Uh, some of the Beta Z diplomats are surprised at this. But somehow, of course, because there's this warrant out for his arrest that his name has kind of flagged uh, uh, some kind of a database and now – these police officials want to place him under arrest. To get back to what you were saying, I kind of see T'Pol in like a, like a more of a of a robe kind of thing that Saval might wear, as opposed to the the, the uh, skin tight suit that we usually see her in, something a little bit more formal. So when we come back from the main titles, we learn that Beta Z has diplomatic relations with Illyria, and that ever since. The incident where Archer stole the warp core in the episode Damage from season three. There's been an arrest warrant out for Captain Archer on the charge of piracy. And Beta Z's diplomatic relations include mutual arrest and extradition powers, much as we have with, say, France or Great Britain or such things. Right? Okay, I like I like this. I like this because that's that was one of my ideas. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking... Maybe instead of Beta Z, you know, one they've never established a name for him, but maybe those, uh, the little people with gold skin from uh, Journey to Babel. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things you could do. Yeah, and we could establish, and they're they're blank slate. All we know is what they look like because they never said what their species is called. Right. I, personally, I would love to see the Cations, You know, the cat people. That would be that would be good too. <laughs> I would love to see them. Do we that, only saw so. them in live action a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm liking this because that was something that I always saw just hanging on season four is just like, like kind of like the elephant in the room here because we've got Ar Archer, I mean, he took that from them and we never got to see them come back and talk about it. So that's yeah, exactly that's something wow to end season four when you everything seems like it's all hunky dory. The coalition of planets has started and wow, you're coming with. Wow, Illyria comes back and says, we want our warp car back. No, we want, actually, we want Archer. We don't want the warp car. We want Archer. That's great. All right, so what's going to happen now? Okay, so the central drama for this, for part one, for the part one episode, comes from the fact that Trip and the crew, they want to bust Archer out. But T'Pol, who's now in command, refuses. Now, she's in command, and she realizes that Earth's relations with the government of Beta Z or whatever planet it happens to be is really more important than any one person. So she, she now feels this heavy sense of responsibility for the future of diplomatic relations between earth and this new civilization. And Archer agrees. He's completely behind her hundred percent. He's like the last thing Archer wants them to do is attack a new civilization. They've just ran into. Right? So part one, would end with Archer actually being taken. Illyrian ships arrive on Beta Z or whatever you want to call it, and Archer being taken away by these Illyrian ships and the Enterprise kind of following them. Okay, man, I'm digging this because, like, just thinking back of the season three episode of North Star, where they were the basically the cowboy Wild West style. I kind of wanted to see a jailbreak there, uh -huh. and and I could totally see Trip attempting. The jailbreak, you know, he's the one that's, you know, not using the diplomatic relations. You know, what what do you think, Jeff? Are you thinking trip for this? Oh yeah, absolutely trip. He and Archer are best friends. 
he would do anything for Archer, and he's hot-headed enough that he would try to pull something off like this. Now, then what I'm also thinking here is, you know, T'Pol's going to be against this idea, but mm-hmm. what about what about the other bridge crew? Like, what about Malcolm? Because Malcolm would be the one that would probably lead the jailbreak, and we actually have seen we have seen a jailbreak already previously. You know, where they they brought the uh, the communicator from season two was sort of a jailbreak, right? You know, well, yeah. and then we also had that in uh, the uh, episode uh, detained with the Suliban, right? Right, absolutely. And, you know, a couple of other times uh, there were a couple of occasions in season one where they did that, right? But this. You know, Archer's just saying, no, I actually did this, you know, and and I can't, we can't mess up what we've got started here with the Federation because of this. So, wow. Yeah, I'm liking that. All right. So that part one ends, Archer's being taken away. Yeah, that's the end of part one. Okay. So we're seeing Archer basically being, he's, he's got the handcuffs on, he's on the ship. They see him for one last time, maybe, or something like that. One last visit. And then boom, like I'm just seeing the ship flying away and then the credits start rolling right you know, as the ship the ship goes out of sight wow okay okay awesome. so now here part 2 this is the last episode of the season 4 and it picks up the story on illyria during archer's trial is starting now it's different from we've seen trials before right we have seen a trial in uh when Archer was taken to to Kronos, but this is a very different kind of trial because Archer is not being railroaded. The legal system on Illyria isn't a strange kind of arcane or backward seeming to us legal system. It's very much like Earth's. It seems very fair. The problem is Archer is guilty as sin. He did what he's accused of doing. And the Illyrian ship that he stole from suffered greatly because they didn't have their warp core, they wouldn't have been able to achieve warp speeds. And no one is thinking about or ever mentions the fact that these people were stranded in the expanse, right? Without warp drive and all those anomalies, kind of falling prey to all those anomalies. It would have been very dangerous for them. So let's be honest. Let's be honest. Like Jeff, we had to imagine what happened to them. So in your Mm -hmm. mind, how did you think that that went out? Um, I was a little more optimistic. I was kind of hoping that uh, at the end, when they got back to Earth and they had stopped the Zindi, they would send out like a Vulcan chip or somebody to render aid and support to these people. And, you know, just with a great big, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, we were forced to by circumstances. Right. And they would still doubtless be pissed. But, you know, um, you know, they uh, I was a little more optimistic on the outcome for the Illyrian crew. Well, yeah, I mean, looking at what we actually saw, they never mentioned them ever again. So you had to Mm -hmm. hope that they sent something. But what if they really didn't? I mean, what if what if Archer's logs or is something, you know, maybe something along the way it didn't get put down? I don't don't know. But or what if they couldn't find them? Oh, Um, exactly. I mean, talk about a needle in a haystack. That would be easy. (laughs) You know, well, for the sake of drama, we can say that since it wasn't ever actually determined for the sake of drama, we can say that it did not go well for this ship. There were fatalities and it was a difficult journey. And so there are some hard feelings. Now the central drama of this episode would come when the enterprise crew are called to give testimony because they are eyewitnesses to this effect. And Archer being the person we know him to be would order his crew to cooperate and to be truthful, not to perjure themselves. 
So imagine Topol's testimony when she has to admit that she was adamantly against the theft of these warp coils Man. and how damaging that would be to Archer's case. Like I can just picture this. I can see like the camera movements even for this, like the, the slow zoom in for the reveals and just like the, the movement of the cameras even around this in this alien trial. Uh, man, this this could be great because you know what's coming. You know what's coming. You yes. know what yes. you know, Tripp's going to be saying everything that he can to get Archer out of the situation. Malcolm's probably going to be saying everything that he can to a certain extent to Paul is not going to cross that line. She's going to give it right exactly the way it was. And she would be the last. That's how I would build the drama for her would be have her be the last testimony. And exactly. she's the one that just slams the book, you know, like they drop the mic on it, you know, when, after she's done. So, so Archer is found guilty. There's just, I mean, he is guilty. So things look bad. Again, the crew want to break Archer out, but this time, Paul kind of agrees. I mean, the damage with Illyria is done. They're already angry at Earth. How much angrier they're going to be if they break him out of there? But again, Archer says no, right? For one thing, Archer's feeling a little bit like, you know, he feels guilty. He did what they're accusing him of. He, he stole that warp core. For whatever reason, he did do that. And he does feel a certain amount, I think, of self-loathing over his, his actions there. And he and his defense attorney actually have a plan. He has a good defense attorney who's been on his side helping him this whole time. And so the defense attorney's plan is, well, there's got to be a sentencing hearing, right? And in the sentencing hearing, we get to say why it happened. We can bring in Admiral Forrest. We can bring in Soval. We can do all kinds of testimonials about Archer's character. And because the government of Illyria, once that now that they have their guilty verdict, they've kind of saved face. They don't necessarily want an international incident. And so they, they even the prosecutor will say, uh, we recommend leniency in this case because of the circumstances. And so it seems that Archer is going to be released for time served. But then here comes the, the, uh, the twist at the end. The families of the victims get to testify at a sentencing hearing. Oh, man. And the families of the victims come forward and tell their tale, including the son or daughter of the ship's captain who did not survive. So for the sake of drama and the judge being moved by their testimony sentences Archer considering leniency for piracy wherein people lost their lives. He sentences him to a rather light sentence of 25 years, 25 earth years. And that's how the episode ends. And that's how the season ends with Archer being taken away from the courtroom, sentenced to 25 years in a prison on an alien world. <laughs> okay. So yeah, when we, we say we have to specify 25 earth years because 25 earth a, years, what's, and what's a year there? Because man, that could be some bad stuff going well, on there. The, 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 I'm kind of, the way I see it play out is uh, the judge will say he's going to be very lenient and considering the gravity of the crime and the circumstances, and considering how short human lifespans are, he's going to be especially lenient and sentence Archer to only 25 Earth years. Right. <laughs> and, and so uh, it all sounds good until the very end. It's like 25 years, a quarter century. Originally, I was thinking on this that we were going to have the Illyrian captain maybe being wheeled in. Like he just said, they're bringing in the families of the victims. 
on this. And apparently they're bringing in Admiral Forrest, so I guess they uh, have uh, some pretty amazing technology. Yeah. Well, they could fly well, him in. Uh, well, I mean, well, he, he's dead. <laughs> well, that's a that's a whole other rewrite. Oh. Apparently, we're gonna have to rewrite that episode. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, you're right. You're they, right. They have they have seance technology. <laughs> wait, wait. There was a, there was a species in Voyager though that the Voyager found where they could take dead aliens and they would reanimate them as the, oh, yeah, that, that yeah. was how they propagated their species. So <laughs> there we go. There we go. That or you know the vic- uh, the son of the captain is also played by Casey Biggs because they have this long lifespan, so his son looks just like his father. That could be, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, he comes in, and Archer thinks it's him, but it's like, hi, huh, he looks a little different. He's got something. There's something different about him, and then they realize they realize that, or they state that it's his son, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that'd be cool, and I'm sure Casey would have loved that, getting to come back again, you know, and play mm-hmm. another part. Very good. So I'll leave you with one thing and then we'll discuss what this does for season five. How I see the very first episode of season five starting is with the words two years later. So two years have passed with Archer in prison and that's where we pick up the story. And so where does that leave us now with uh, we've jumped forward in time, two years and Archer is in an alien, is in a prison on an alien world. And this will bring us to 2157. So what the event that's going on, I think I see where we're going here. We're getting really, mm-hmm. really nice and close to the Romulan Earth War here. Mm-hmm. And, and Archer is sitting out. He's sitting on the bench. You know, he's sitting in a, he's sitting in prison on another world somewhere. Wow. And then two years later, I mean, that's almost like like Sir, like Battlestar Galactica exactly did, did that. Yeah, and man, that was that was awesome, you know, because they found the planet on that particular show. They found their planet, and then boom, we jump ahead like five years or two years or one year or something, whatever it was. I think it was that, one year. Yeah, I wasn't even ready for that. Like I, I had to rewind it to figure out like what just happened. Oh my gosh, a lot of things just happened, and we didn't get to see it. Exactly. So. So, wow. Okay. So now we can just imagine and kind of put a little bit to, to, to our imaginations of what was happening then with the conflict with the Romulans kicking up. Um, basically, Starfleet's top camp captain is actually in prison. Uh, I wonder like, what could have been the discussions going on maybe for if that could have hurt maybe the coalition of planets a little bit. I don't know, but I guess they could be defending that Archer did that for what, for the reason that he did it is because he was saving earth, you know? Exactly. Yeah. But interesting, interesting. And then we get, and that all gets established away from us. And then when we, when we come back, boom, it's all there. Like we've got solid ties with the Tellarites and the Andorians and the, and the Vulcans are all, are really nice and tight then because the Romulans have probably, been attacking you know all along maybe sorties or something going through all the time so wow season five yes we're going to start this one off on a bang part of my inspiration for this idea is uh horatio hornblower novels i think most trek fans are aware that hornblower is an inspiration for star trek and hornblower was a prisoner of war in spain for two years so this kind of ties in nicely with uh with the hornblower template it does advance the timeline to the point where the Earth Romulan War is starting, and it's a good opportunity the next time we see the Enterprise to now introduce the refit, right? 
it's been that gives two, two years, which is a lot of time for them to do that kind of work. Yeah. And they could advance the technology a little bit, you know, I mean, maybe put really Paul in a Starfleet uniform. Right. <laughs> we're really, and then we really get into prequel territory there, you know? Wow. Yeah. And then like we had mentioned earlier, cause we, we've been talking a lot about trip and to Paul, but we hadn't mentioned Travis and Hoshi. So what was your idea for them? Well, I would love to promote Travis and Hoshi. Uh, these are two extremely capable people. I don't think they should stay ensigns for very long, especially now that they're experienced officers and there are new ships being launched. They need experienced officers to crew and man these ships. And so I think that anyone on the NX-01 is going to be promoted pretty quickly. So thinking about this, we're thinking like Trip. I can see Trip getting his own ship. Sure. And then maybe... Maybe Malcolm. I mean, I guess it, I guess you're looking at like what are the casualties that they could be having early on, you know, with this? Or has the has the war actually started already? Like, what wh- what are we thinking with that? I think maybe have the war start later in the season. Yes, you know, yeah, that's okay. like okay. set up set up the Romulan threat and how it's been building, and then as the season progresses, have it break out. Okay, so I can totally see giving Hoshi a first officer. And I could see Travis getting a first officer bid on, you know, I mean, and then later they could be quickly like battlefield promoted, you know, or something. Um, But yeah, like you said, they're going to have to take the crew, the bridge officers of the NX-01 are going to have to get spread out really quick because they need some experience out really quickly. What I'd like to see is I'd like to see something that Trek has never done before, which is promote a captain. So what I'd like to see now that while Archer was away, somebody had to command the Enterprise. So there's now a new captain for the Enterprise. Maybe it's Trip. And when Archer gets out of prison, and we could talk about how he would get out and why, but when he does eventually get out, and I think he should probably get out in that first episode of season five, but Mm -hmm. when he does, he's promoted to Commodore. And he's giving command over a squadron of ships because there's trouble brewing. Right? There's been trouble brewing these last two years, whether it's depredations of pirates are becoming more common and uh, something might be behind the pirate attacks or whether it's this unknown race, which we'll discover to be the Romulans. But some kind of trouble has been brewing. And so Archer is being the most experienced captain they have, given command of this squadron of ships. And that's why even though, say, Travis and Hoshi and Trip and Reed might be promoted and onto other ships. We're not necessarily breaking up the team because we're going to now have a number of ships. So could Archer be a, a fleet captain in, instead of like a lower rank admiral? Like a fleet captain, the way I understand it, would still have a ship, but then would still be uh, would be basically giving orders to other captains. So they're just like one little spot above. Is, am I right on that, Jeff? Well, fleet captain is kind of something they invented for Star Trek. It never really existed in um, the military, but uh, we also saw Commodores commanding ships. Uh, you know, Commodore Decker, Ooh. for example. We haven't had, we haven't seen a Commodore in a while. Of course, usually Commodores are pencil pushers, and they're getting put in you know, in charge of star bases, right? <laughs> well, they can't a, all be bad. I mean, Force right. was a Commodore at one point. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So you're trying to put Archer in a necktie, basically, here. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, the way I see it, Archer has this fantastic experience commanding a deep space exploration 
that no one really else has. And the most economical way to spread that out over the greatest number of ships is to have him actually command a squadron. Instead of commanding one ship, he can only be one place at a time. He can now, if he commands a squadron of ships, he can they can all benefit from his experience. That's kind of how I see it. Also, some of the best Hornblower stories were the stories where Hornblower was the Commodore and had a bunch of smaller ships under his command. And he then he would have the captains come aboard for for uh for meetings. And it, those are just some great scenes, right? <laughs> well, I've got to say, by bringing the Hornblower connection here, you're you're building some huge original series cred, you know, for this late series, late in Star Trek's history, you know, being being produced. Do you agree, Jeff? Oh yeah, um, not just Hornblower, but uh, if anyone's familiar with the Honor Harrington novels, very similar with that series. Uh, it starts off with her commanding a smaller ship. And then she works her way up the ranks, commanding larger and larger ships. She becomes an admiral and commands fleets. And the series shifted more from the mundane day-to-day aspects of commanding a ship to the broader brushstrokes of what's going on with galactic politics. And that would be perfect as we're going into the Romulan War. And from the Romulan War to the creation of the Federation. This would also open us up for... uh, some more nods towards the original series because say we have trip become commander of the uh, commanding officer of the enterprise. So we have captain Tucker with Commodore Archer with his flag on the enterprise and all the other ships commanded by, you know, we got Hernandez on the NXO two. We got, you know, whoever, and that opens up for other characters to come up for the new lower decks characters, like a new helmsman to replace Travis, a new, Com officer to replace Hoshi, and we could have, for example, a Lieutenant Styles yeah. on the ship. <laughs> yeah, nice. That's exactly what I was thinking because now when we put, we're splitting the team up a little bit and putting them on different ships. Well, now we've got a whole new story, a way to tell stories because we've got mm-hmm. drama and we've got character development and structure on different bridges now. And mm-hmm. they're all linked with Archer. But I, I've got to say earlier when you mentioned uh, who could be captains and everything, I kind of, since we're rewriting things, I want to bring JG back. You know, I want, mm. we need, I want to bring Carrington back in. Yeah. It's too bad that uh, he died. Yeah. I know. We got to rewrite that too. We got to go back. You know, if, we, if we're going to, if we've got the eraser out and we're rewriting things, let's. Uh, Temporal Cold War. We've got to get some Carradine. Yes. Temporal Cold War. That could you know, be it. Um, Maybe, you know, when they thought that he died climbing the mountain, uh, some he actually got plucked by a temporal agent and dropped off a couple of years later. Hey, oh, there boom. you go. There you go. He's back. <laughs> and we've got a Carradine as a captain. That's what I'm wanting. That's what I'm wanting. Yes. The guy drinks scotch. He can't, he can't be all bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or I think that was scotch. All right. So basically we're, we're looking at now going into season five, rolling with this. We're, we're going toward the Romulan War. But then we are, uh, we're we still got some. I mean, we we can't just forget about what happened to Archer on Illyria, right? So how is it that Archer actually gets out? Like, what what? How do you see that happening? Well, there's a few things that you could do. Uh, everything from say a brokered prisoner exchange to just the government of Earth and Vulcan putting pressure on Illyria, and the more things heat up. Uh, out in space, 
the more they're going to want their best captain back. And so there's that. Or we could do something uh, similar to what happened in the Hornblower novels when Hornblower was prisoner, which is uh, because Hornblower was a very experienced naval officer, there was a storm, there was a shipwreck, and Hornblower volunteers to go out in the teeth of the storm and save some shipwrecked sailors. He gives his parole, which means he promises he won't try to escape. And they uh, give him a little boat and a little crew. And he goes out there and he rescues those sailors. And just as he's rescued them, what should happen? But a British frigate comes by. And Hornblower could say, oh, look, a British frigate. I'm saved and could sail off. But because it's Hornblower, what does he do? He says, I've given my parole and my promise I won't try to escape. And so he sails back to the Spanish prison and go, and because he has a man of honor and surrenders himself. But it's all good because the Spanish government is so impressed by his heroism and his selflessness that they say, we've decided to commute your sentence and they release him. Okay, so now so now we just replace Hornblower with Archer on this. Right. Archer goes out to help. He's helping Illyria then on a mission, maybe. Maybe Illyria comes under attack from an unknown alien race whose ships have giant birds painted on the underside of their hulls. Or... Yeah, that's a possibility. Or perhaps there was a warp core, some kind of warp core accident. And the Illyrians are actually pretty inexperienced and pretty new to warp technology. And Archer's father invented a warp engine, right? He actually has some experience. So he can volunteer to go out there and help out with that. Get the thing under control, save the ship, save the crew. And he promises to come back. And he says, after all, if I can't get the breach under control or whatever, what do you lose? You lose a prisoner. No big loss. So okay, I've got I've actually got something else too. Maybe we could just have. Uh, what if it's like a prisoner transport kind of a thing? Maybe what if they're moving Archer to a more secure location because they know that things are heating up with the Romulan War and they're afraid that someone might come try to get him or maybe try to assassinate him. Maybe they maybe they've heard that there's an assassination plot through their their channels and they're going to move him to a you know like a, a remote colony prison kind of a thing along the way something happens and he does his thing he does the work you know he f- helps them with the work core or they need a pilot <laughs> you know right, you know, right. here you go you know I, I i can i can fly anything archer kind of a thing and maybe that's something like and then you can tie it back to that he I don't know. I'm I'm getting getting kind of some con air vibes here from this, <laughs> you know, a little bit. They they need his help for something maybe on the transport. I don't know. I was just thinking of some way why would be what would be a reason to get him off the planet and then what would be a way that he would fall into being the hero and saving it and then he could have escaped. He could have escaped but he didn't. He stayed on the ship and kept him on there. So yeah, we are kind of ripping off con air here a little bit with that idea. But okay. I kind of had this idea that uh, in the back of my mind that when he goes out there to help that ship that's maybe that's in distress because of its warp engine, he gets out there, he fixes the problem, and then it turns out that the whole kind of accident, quote unquote, was engineered by Shran, who owed Archer a favor and did this to, to, to grab him and get him out of there. And then Archer says, I can't go off with you. I can't escape. I've given my word. I won't try to escape. I have to go back. And Shran's like, I did. I went to all this trouble to get you out of there. And now <laughs> I could just see that would be a great scene. But maybe. <laughs> yes. Yes. That would be great. Well, anything with Shran is a yeah. great scene. You know, Jeffrey Combs would own it. 
you know, and, and Archer would maybe have to punch him, you know, because that would be like the opposite of what you would expect. You know, they get and into this a fight. Would be a, that, that would also be a great way to tie in the desire to bring him in as a series regular for season five. Absolutely. Have him continually show up. And then maybe when Archer gets command of his fleet, it's a coalition fleet and trans ship is one of the ships in the fleet. That would be fantastic. T'Pol might even have a ship in that fleet. So basically, the Illyrian government then, because of his heroism, because he could have left, but he didn't, he helps them out. Maybe somehow, maybe he helps save the colony or, you know, whatever it is. They decide that they're going to let him go. So it's going to kind of be a reward. Right, right. And you had actually mentioned uh, a few weeks ago that you already knew how you wanted to look like when Archer was being let out of prison. Well... In my mind, I envision this scene where uh, Archer is told he's going to be released. He's taken to an orbital station where he'll be put on a vessel and uh, sent to Earth. And he expects it to be like a freighter or a boomer vessel or something. And what shows up but the refit NX-01 to bring him home. And so you get this great image of of, uh, the refit Enterprise. All right. The hero shot. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And then we had mentioned what else could be going on. Like there could be a lot of side stories. Like the Romulans don't have to be an antagonist of this whole season. And then we actually, with the Illyrians, is that maybe a chance for some diplomatic relations? You know, are we going to be bringing them into the Federation or at least have them friends of the Federation? Or what What do you think? I think that's a a great idea because Archer never tried to escape because he accepted his sentence and he was willing to carry out his sentence. I think that diplomatic relations between Earth and Illyria are in pretty good shape. And uh, there's, if Earth was to ask Illyria for help or Illyria was to ask Earth for help, I don't see why those two couldn't get along and have a very good uh, friendship going forward and why Illyria wouldn't be a member of the Federation. Very good. So, Jeff, what just stemming on these ideas, what else could you see happening? Well, there's still quite a few other things that would be going on at this point. I mean, like I said, we'd be seeing more of the, the big picture politics, possibly some of the struggles that the different worlds and their governments are having under the coalition of planets, trying to get along and trying to find their way how to work together. And it's, you know, maybe... Things just aren't working quite as they had hoped when they first signed the the charter, but it's not to the point where they think that, well, you know, this, maybe we should scrap it and try something else, but it's enough that, uh, like maybe something, uh, like they have like a self-defense or a, a mutual assistance clause in the, uh, in the coalition compact. And there's an issue where perhaps a Tellarite ship doesn't come to the in, the assistance of an Andorian ship that's in distress. And it becomes a big incident, and Archer and uh, his armada of uh, coalition ships have to come in and sort out the situation. Uh, things like that. Nice. Yeah, because I could cer- certainly see Tellarites uh, getting an argument started for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> I could... You know, those guys. Well, that, that's know. that's a sport on their planet. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> it, it might be difficult, but I can see maybe getting an argument started on that. Maybe. I don't know. You know. I've so, recently been researching Tellarites. And so <laughs> I can uh, 
I can agree with you. Okay. You concur. All right. Very good. Yeah. It's yeah. You better have some arguments ready to go. You better have some put downs ready to go for those guys. So basically what you had also mentioned, maybe pirates. So what was your idea with the pirates? Well, this is an opportunity to finally get around to doing something that I kind of wanted to see Enterprise doing from season one. And that is a whole boomers and pirates story arc to kind of mirror the early days of the American naval history and the pirates of the Barbary Coast. The idea that I have is that pirate attacks would kind of step up and they would be, uh, the depredations would become, would increase. uh, And Archer would be given a, a squadron of ships and told, go to this area where these pirates have been operating, protect the shipping, find out where these pirates are operating out of, put a stop to them. And through the course of this, and this could be uh, a three or four episode or maybe even uh, more uh, arc across a few episodes, they would discover that the pirates are working on behalf of someone. Right? They're not pirates so much as they're privateers. And that someone who would turn out to be would be the Romulans. And so this would be kind of like a buildup. A kind of a slow buildup where it looks like one thing and then it's revealed to be something else until finally it's revealed to be this kind of the, the actual war breaks out in earnest. And there'd be a kind of a Cold War period uh, before that, similar to something that you might have seen, maybe like tensions between the U.S. and, and Japan before World War II started, that kind of thing, tensions in the Pacific. So... Uh, so there, that, 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 that's kind of where my mind was going. And I love the idea of, of seeing more of the boomers, you know, and having that call back to American naval history. And by that time, the boomers should have the faster engines. You know, we're not just talking about the warp one, you know, so we could be seeing them more often just because they're faster and they can cover a little bit more ground. And we could, we could start seeing more of that fleet that's out there. Yeah, and faster engines would allow them to expand the uh, the sphere of trade for uh, all the different uh, worlds. And so, yeah, you would definitely be seeing more of the boomers and trade with all these other planets. They would need some kind of a force to protect them, like we were saying, against the piracy. And we could have, like every so often, you know, responding to a distress call from uh, you know, a freighter under attack. Very good. Yeah. And I I like that it all comes back to the Romulans because I really like the Romulans anyway. And I like, I like their sneakiness that they would have going. And that's the Romulans wheels within wheels. So Dennis, just putting a cap on it. How long have you been thinking about this idea? I think ever since I watched the last episode of Enterprise and sat back and thought, that's it. They're done now. It's too soon. There's so much more story to tell. And uh, I've been wondering, well, what what would I like to see? What stories are there that I really want to see that they didn't get to? And I think that every Enterprise fan kind of has that favorite story they wanted to see that the show never got around to. And I'd love to hear what other uh, Enterprise and Warp 5 listeners think and what they'd like to see in season five or six or seven. Right. That's exactly what I was thinking too, man. I, let, yeah, boomers, let us know what, well, let's know about this show pitch and also let us know what your ideas could be. 
So Jeff, Jeff, what do you think about this? I mean, this is really turning things on its side. We're, we're going full steam into season five for this. Yeah. And this would be a great opportunity for us to see uh, more of uh, the horizon. And that would give us more for Travis's character, uh, you know, more for him for development there. And it would also advance this storyline that we have with the, uh, with the boomers. And it could also lead into the original series because as we saw in Travis's quarters on the horizon was a copy of Chicago mobs of the twenties. And if you're familiar (laughs) with uh, the original series, we know what happened with that book or the book and uh, the fate of the horizon after uh, it ran into Sigma Iosha. Nice. Nice. I did not know that. That is fantastic. Yep. But that's a little tidbit. You you go back and look at it. It's right up there on his shelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I guess I have to do another watch of another rewatch of uh, of Enterprising. Yeah, this is great. This is great, Dennis. I you know these are the Voyagers. It it is what it is as far as a holodeck episode that Riker created. But this is definitely ending season four strong for the series here. Now. Bacula would probably, he would have just eaten this up. You know, I think the, the stage stealing, I guess you could say that he would be taking a stand for, uh, no, I did this. I am guilty. You know, don't break me out. You know, the talks that he would have, we would still have the drama going on between Mm -hmm. the crew members. And then, yeah, we take this all the way into season five. We promote him up, make him a Commodore, maybe a, a rear Admiral, uh, Again, boy, I guess we've had actually seen what Archer would look like wearing the necktie, you know, on mm-hmm. and so boy. He's worn it a couple of times on the show. Right. And I was also thinking that I he was on the cover of a book, Enterprise book, mm-hmm. you know, looking all mean and stuff with his necktie on. So yeah, this could be great because you could be spreading this out and you're gonna have ship drama. You're gonna have, like you said, you're gonna be bringing up lower decks type people you're going to be bringing it in i always think of vanguard series the the original series series vanguard when i think of the possibilities that you could have when you have multiple ships and you have Mm -hmm. a station and you have a colony and you have all these things these are all places that things can happen so yeah this could be great this could take uh season five could get the romulan war kind of nice and appetizered up and really nice and warmed up. And then season six could be where it goes full blown out. You know, that, that could be, and you could jump ahead as much time as you need to, you know, you could fast forward or not fast forward as much as you want. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is great. So it's been a lot of fun rewriting history, but this isn't the only topic we've been talking about here on Trek FM. So here's what else you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, the ready room. You know, Star Trek All Access gives you a great acronym, though. STAR! STAR, yeah. Yes. <laughs> STAR! <laughs> yeah, the upward <laughs> angle on the... Yeah, totally get it. The orb. I don't know if obsessive love is really love, because it's... I, I, I think it's more about possession. Yeah, and for yeah. Ducat, she's a possession of his, not really... A relationship of his. The 602 Club. I loved that first volume, the, the three-minute format. I was highly skeptical about it. 
Tartakovsky, I believe, was in Star Wars Insider. They had an interview with them where they were like, oh, this is bold, you know, three minutes. How did this come about? And I remember very specifically because I was stunned. And introducing Stage 9, a podcast about the people who make Star Trek. had the story brewing in my head for a long time, but I eventually realized it was a beautiful fit for this project, and it turned out to be the right fit. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at trek.fm and grab the RSS link there as well. And if you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes, and if you like what you hear on Warp 5 or any of the Trek FM network shows, please leave us a star rating and a review, which will help us greatly increase our visibility for new listeners. And it just so happens that we actually have some new star reviews. So Jeff, why don't you read our first new review that we've had this week? Well, our first new review, it's a five-star review from ProtoCon. It's called New to the Show. And he says, I just found out about this new show thanks to the Night Attack podcast, and I love it. I've been a Star Trek fan forever, and I always thought that Enterprise got a bad rap. It's good to know that other people like the show as much as me. Yeah, thank you, ProtoCon. Uh, I actually looked that up, and the Night Attack podcast is it's kind of it's a comedy podcast, and they have a segment. It's called basically real podcast or fake podcast, and they have some pretty some pretty outlandish podcasts that they find. But then they snuck us in as kind of an outlier, kind of a. They said it said that our the description of our show sounded like a real podcast, so they thought that maybe they were being tricked. And it turned out that actually uh, Protocon heard us on there. So, yeah, thank you so much, Protocon, for that review. We're we a real no- boy. <laughs> we have another five-star review in the U.S. store, and it's from Guy Brush T, and it's titled Great Enterprise Podcast. And it says, Enterprise is often unappreciated, so it's great that we have a fantastic podcast that give the show the credit it's due. So thank you so much, Guybrush. We've also got another five-star review from Mark Flessa titled Optimism Trekkers, Optimism. Warp 5 was the first show on Trek FM that I ever listened to, and it got me hooked. The hosts, both old and new, are intelligent and friendly voices who I'm all too happy to invite into my home, into my car, or along for my morning walks. Each episode of Warp 5 adds something new to my enjoyment of Star Trek Enterprise, whether it's discussing a storyline, character, theme, alien, or technology. There's always something new to think or talk about. If you're an Enterprise fan or a Trekker on the first foray into this great series, do yourself a favor and subscribe to this great podcast. Thanks for all you guys do for us boomers. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Mark actually messaged me last week or maybe the week before last, and he told me, hey, I've left your review in the U.S. store And he thanked us for what we're doing. But hey, thank you so much, Mark, for leaving us this review. That helps us a lot. The last review that we have in the U.S. store, it's a five-star review from R. Shaw 90044. It's titled The Love of Trek. And it says, I am so glad I found this podcast as it motivated me to do a rewatch of Enterprise. I had a greater appreciation of Star Trek Enterprise on the second time. I felt like I was watching it with new eyes. Thank you, Warp 5. I think Archer is now my second favorite captain next to Kirk. Awesome stuff. Please keep more coming to us fans. 
So yeah, thank you so much, Arshaw. We also have one from the Canadian store, five-star review from Jadim, titled New Insights. And Jadim says, like all Trek FM podcasts, Warp 5 is professionally produced with knowledgeable hosts. It provides excellent insights to an often overlooked and underappreciated Trek series. Thank you so much, Jadim. So that's five more. And that brings our Blu-ray review contest count for 2016. And we're now at 16. So that's going to be great. We get up to 20 or September 8th is when I'd like to do the drawing around the first time for Star Trek to actually premiere. Or we could do it all the way up into December if we need to. But somebody's going to get an Enterprise Full Journey Blu-ray set. So that's going to be great to give that to one of our listeners that have reviewed us on iTunes. And thank you so much. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and milestone contribution levels, along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credit, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Also, if you want to wear your Trek FM fandom, you can find great Trek FM themed merchandise at redbubble.com. Just type Trek FM into the search field. I always like to thank my co-associate producer, Mike Morrison. He's a patron of the network and he is on the associate producer level for warp five through patreon.com. You can find Mike on the Babel conference, Trek FM's dedicated listeners page. You can also hear Mike over on his new show, Metatrex, where he and Zachary Freeling discuss all things philosophical through a star Trek lens. And at this time, I always like to give a thank you and a shout out to Christopher Jones, our warp five editor and producer. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on Trek FM slash contact and look in the slide bar on the show page or go to speakbike.com slash Trek FM. You can also contact us through Twitter at Trek FM, Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. And as I mentioned earlier, the Babel Conference, type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L into search field on Facebook or go to our website at Trek FM and click discussion on the menu bar. So thank you so much, Dennis, for coming back on and giving us this show pitch. Uh, I don't know how the producers are going to go for it. I know they had their hearts set on these are the voyages, but <laughs> I I'm with you on this. I like I I, I don't want to just end the series at season four. Let's go ahead and let's let's make it to where they have to give us a season five. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, you're very welcome. It was a pleasure. And if our listeners would like to get in touch with you or find out where else they can find you on the network, where can they find you? Well, the best place to find me and to get in touch with me is on the Babel Conference. I'm on there all day. Usually when my Mac is rendering something and I'm watching a progress bar, I'll go on to the Babel Conference and see what people are saying. It's always something of interest on the Babel Conference. Thank you. And Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. I know you had to surf some uh, temporal waves to get here. Uh, So if our listeners would like to find you, where can they find you at? Well, if you don't have access to an Atavacron or even a temporal phase discriminator, you can always find me on the Babel Conference on Facebook. I'm the co-host on the network for both Standard Orbit and Warp 5. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, at Harlander, and I'm a supporter of the network through Patreon. You can also check out my website. It's been called The Grand Unified Theory of Star Trek. It's at trekopedia.com, and my independent comic books at bandwidthcomics.com, or search on Facebook for Bandwidth Comics. 
Yeah, thank you, Jeff. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, Boomers, you can always find me on the Babel Conference, the Trek FM listeners page on Facebook. I am in a lot of other Star Trek groups, so if you see me on there, you can say hi. But yeah, the Babel Conference is probably the best place to find me. So, Jeff, let's go ahead and get out of here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And join us again next time for another episode of Warp 5. Warp 5.